You may be wondering which craft is shaping the narratives that are being pushed out by media, but the answer to the question is witchcraft is shaping the narrative that's being pushed out by the media. Hey, it's Lucas Grobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Grobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Welcome to episode 228, being recorded June 2nd, 2021. Today, we're going to be talking about witchcraft. We're going to be talking about the occult world that truly is shaping the way that you and I think, the 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 spirit realm that's shaping the zeitgeist, the, the thing that is in the ether, in the atmosphere that's affecting the way that we perceive and view the world. Now, of course, media plays into that. And we've been talking at length now for the number of weeks and months of how media is shaping the narratives that that everyone believes and sees, no matter what side it is. And it, this is nothing new. Propaganda is nothing new. This has been happening for thousands and thousands of years. We're just seeing and feeling it more due to the pervasiveness of media and social media. But what is in that zeitgeist? What is in the air that's above the media, that sits above the media. Now, before you tune out and say, well, this guy just turned kooky, you have to remember that even unless you are like a pure thoroughbred materialist who is a complete actual atheist that does not believe in one iota of the spirit realm, most people, and, and it's evidence from our the literature that we read, the films that are blockbuster Hollywoods, to to the way that we talk and interface, even even when it comes to superstitions or numerology, there is a subtext that the majority of people, at least the majority of people that I interface with all across the globe, ab- agree upon and believe, which is that there is another dimension. There is a spirit realm. There are whether you call them angels or demons or trans-dimensional beings, or aliens, whatever you want to call them, they exist. There is another realm that exists that we interface with as ourselves, really being trans-dimensional beings. And and we talked about this last year on the episode with Dr. Michael Ignore, where we talked about how, as humans, we we have a duality that no other being has. We are human. We exist in the material realm. And then we have a spirit. We have a soul that has been scientifically proven to not exist within our physical mind, but it exists outside of that. It exists in the spirit realm. We we are a, we are the portal. We are a trans-dimensional being in of ourselves. We exist both in the spirit and in the natural realm. This is something that has been proven and, and measured by science. You can go back to those interviews with Dr. Michael Ignore, who is a brain surgeon and also a philosopher of many sorts. He loves philosophy. And we, we got really deep into the, the philosophy of, of our souls, of who we are, and how our mind interacts with our brain, which interacts with our soul, which interacts with our, our free will or our free won't, a great episode with Dr. Michael Ignore. But 
Today, we're talking about what's in the zeitgeist and what the zeitgeist is. Wikipedia says that the zeitgeist is a concept that comes from the 18th and 19th century of German philosophy, and it means the spirit of the age. It refers to an invisible agent or force dominating the characteristics given in an epoch of world history, an epoch meaning a time of world history. And we will actually be talking about some German philosophy, specifically Nazi philosophy, a little later in the hour, as it really does open up and show how the occult and how the, the spiritual atmosphere, the, the war that is actually taking place in, in a spiritual dimension is affecting every aspect of our lives. And that is where the true war is fought and won or lost. It is in that spiritual dimension. And it's very similar to when we, we talk about the, the different levels of abstraction. And when people start arguing mortal or morality of is a knife good or bad or is this pen good or bad, oftentimes we're arguing it down in the, this lowest level of abstraction. And you see this with the culture wars all across the globe right now where the arguments are trying to be sliced into these small minutiae where you're not able to see the larger narrative, the larger overarching theme of justice and injustice, morality and immorality that are being played out. And we need to take those levels of abstraction further up away from the knife or the gun being good or evil to understand the different bounds and domains of authority, bounds and domains of morality. And we've talked about this at length, even when we talk about Thomas Aquinas's four laws and understanding the divine law, eternal law, human law, natural law. So we've covered this at, at length in the show. But recently, we have also been talking about how codes scripts machines in the same way media scripts humans. Here is a clip from Balaji from the Tim Ferriss podcast. Because that's what media is. Media scripts human beings. If code scripts machines, media scripts human beings, even in ways that we don't fully appreciate. You know, that's why people spend so much on advertising. You might think oh, advertising doesn't convince you of something, but it just sort of reminds you that Coca-Cola exists. And then you're at the store, you know, maybe I'll get a Coke. That's how words are picked up. That's how vocabulary is picked up. A small example, if I said postulate like eight minutes ago or nine minutes ago, you might say postulate two minutes ago, right? That's a small example. So Balaji is giving this example of how media is scripting humanity. And that is really how most people are thinking about the zeitgeist in today's modern age. It's that it's what is in the common culture, what's in pop culture right now that, that is floating around general ideas that a lot of people are thinking about. And the, what Balaji is saying is that media is scripting human beings. The, the things that we see, the things we consume, the, our Instagram, Twitter feed, they're all scripting the way that we view the world on a very subconscious level. But the question that I'm asking, and I think is, is a question that more people than just I am asking is I've had conversations recently about how we're seeing a, a pervasive turn towards the occult, towards Ouija boards, towards uh, uh, tarot card readings. I I've seen a pervasive turn towards this in 
in culture, not just here in the Middle East, as that is actually quite pervasive. There's this very broad new age movement of syncretism, if you will, taking from the new age and syncretizing it with monotheistic faiths. And we've seen this for decades already across Europe and across America, whereas there's a syncretization of the occult into what would be traditionally monotheistic faiths like Christianity or Judaism or Islam. And they're taking the occult and they're applying it and they're moving away from the foundations that they would believe uh, historically as a faith. Now, going back to the zeitgeist, in modern day, that's how we're using it. We're using it as what is in pop culture. But there is another layer above culture, and that layer is the layer of the spirit realm. It's the layer of powers and principalities. We've touched on this in previous episodes, where in the spirit realm, thoughts, ideas have physical substance. In the spirit realm, a, a thought is like a fiery arrow. This is why we, we have the sticker, the sticker of watch your thoughts with a little warning sign because your thoughts create your feelings and your feelings create your actions and your actions create your habits. Your habits create your behaviors. Your behaviors create your environment and that creates your destiny. It all starts with our thoughts, the things that we believe. And if we can take our thoughts captive, if we can control our thoughts, control our tongue, we can actually begin to shape the world around us. We can shape our personal lives. We can at least keep ourselves from slipping and falling into dark places because we're able to maintain our thought life. With this, it is the it is a truth that in the spirit realm, there are thoughts that are, are propped up against each and every one of us for a design for destruction or ones that are are thoughts and ideas that have a holy existence that if we hold on to and believe and and steward in our lives will lead to paths of destiny paths of success paths of a full and satisfied life life and life abundant but mo- most of these ideas that are being propagated in the spirit realm are ideas to bring destruction and death. And we'll get into why that is in a little bit. But this is not merely isolated to some sort of sex or or tribes or monotheistic faiths. Really, when you look across the spectrum, you see that it's commonplace in culture. We see it in pop culture in Hollywood. We see it with the the, the Netflix show, Stranger Things. It, that is straight out the of the occult book. We see the 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 trans dimensional beings. We see the aspheric plane. We we see that in that show, very a very clear portrayal of what is happening in the spirit realm. We see it in Harry Potter in, in pop culture. We believe in these curses and these hexes. That we believe in the Ouija boards. Whether or not you or I believe in it, it, it's, it truly is something that is becoming more and more accepted in pop culture. It's very, very pervasive for people to ask, well, what's your sign? And looking at astrology and wondering, you know, 
how the stars are dictating yours or my life. This, this, is, this is nothing less than new age occultism. We can see it across the, the major world faiths. We can see it in, in Hinduism. We can see it in the way they set up high places in Tibet and the, their, their practices of worship and sacrifice or practices of meditation. The fact that Tibetan monks are able to go up in sub-zero temperatures into the Himalaya mountains where the, the cameramen who are going up, their equipment freezes. It's so cold. And here are these Tibetan monks who, through meditation, are able to stay warm all through the night even though they're just wearing their little toga and sandals. There is a, there's a spiritual level of, of interaction that humans are engaging with across the, the main faiths. We can see it in, 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 monoth- in, in faiths like, like Buddhism, where they believe in a spiritual realm, where they believe in burning incense, that these, these physical things have have impact in the spiritual realm. We see it in Islam with believing in, in jinn, which, which is for those who are more of a, a Christian faith background. Jinn is very similar to uh, the demonic realm. It, it's not quite the same. For, for In Islam, there is good jinn and there's bad jinn. And then there's also the, the shaitan or the demonic realm and the angelic realm. But you see it pervasive, a, a belief that there is a spirit realm. You see it in Christianity, the the blatant belief that there is a spirit realm, that there are powers and principalities that are fighting for the hearts and souls of men, that the war that we are in is not just a war of controlling media, but it's a, a war that is being waged in the spirit realm for the hearts and souls of men. We can witness it with Edgar Tolley and Oprah and the the embracing of the new age and the chapras and the, the your, your aura. What's your aura and how do you vibrate at a higher level? We, we can see the influx of the occult or the spirit realm in nearly every area of society. And yet very few people, at least people that I'm listening to, are talking about it when it comes to the intersection of what is happening in current culture, when it comes to the intersection of what's happening in geopolitical news, it's really not integrated very well. There's a few people who do integrate it and they are quickly shunned. And we'll actually get to some of those voices in a few minutes. But even in my upbringing, I was very aware of this for a while I lived in in Haiti, which is an island off the the coast of Florida, America, Caribbean island, Haiti, one side and the other side is the Dominican Republic. And in Haiti, I remember waking up at two or three in the morning to seeing processions of voodoo processions going down my street with burning torches. I I heard stories from a young age of people being able to shapeshift in my time when I was living in Papua New Guinea, I actually met people who had gone very deep into the, the black magic and they were able to shapeshift and fly places and, and kill people. They were able to turn into birds and fly places. Now, again, this might sound strange at first. This might sound uh, very far out there, 
But it's actually not very far out there from what we believe, at least in the fiction realm, when it comes to the Twilight movies or when it does come to Stranger Things or when it comes to Harry Potter. These, these ideas, these beliefs are present also in the Illuminati, in the, the Freemasons, as you climb up through the Freemasons and you enter into the Illuminati, the one world order that's the globalists trying to control everything. These ideas of, of vampires and werewolves and shape-shifting and, uh, and the occult and astro-projecting and controlling people's minds and controlling what's happening in the airwaves over people. These are all things that are widely accepted in society. We've, we even saw in 2017, and this is one of the things that really shifted my opinion on former President Donald Trump. In, in the 2016 election, I actually decided not to vote. I didn't, I didn't know enough about Trump. I was a little concerned about him, his policies. I didn't know what it would mean for, for the world, for the Middle East. I didn't know what his stances would really be when it, when it come, came to important issues like the abortion. But in 2017, a report came out that, and it wasn't just a report, the, the, the occult community blatantly said this, that every crescent moon, the occult would gather to curse former President Donald Trump. They hated him so much. And now this isn't quite the equivalent of the enemy of my enemy is my friend as that can sometimes be a fallacy and not true. It's not always true that the enemy of your enemy is your friend. But in this case, when I heard that the occult were gathering together to curse former President Donald Trump every month, every crescent moon, I stepped back and I said, oh, that's strange. What do they see in him that I don't see? What do they know about him that I don't know? What agenda is he against that, therefore, that maybe I'm not aware of? Maybe I haven't done enough reading. Maybe I haven't seen really what President Donald Trump was going to be pushing. And once I began to realize that he was viscerally hated by the Satanists, by occultists, who have a very specific agenda that I believe is anti-human, is pushing transhumanism, it's pushing uh, the control of religious liberties. It's pushing the transgendered movement. When I realized that those people who, again, are my enemies, those people who are adamantly against humanity, hate President Donald Trump so much, I began to think, huh, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something that I don't see in the spirit realm over President Donald Trump. Now, that's all I'm going to say about U.S. politics for right now. But it was, it was something that made me curious. And even if we don't think about it on a daily basis of how the spirit realm is interacting and engaging with the political sphere, there are people who are out there who are actively aware of what's happening in the spirit realm. And these are normally people who are wrapped up in the occult and they are pressing against the forces of good 
injustice, immorality, and being pro-human in the earth to push forward what is truly an anti-human agenda. And we've talked about that when it comes to abortion. We've talked about it when it comes to eugenics, when it comes to the seeing people as less than human. And we can see that even you know across what's happening in, in China right now with the Uyghur people. It's this belief that there are some people who are less than human. We, we saw it in, in the Nazi movement where there's this belief that there's some people who are less than human. Now, when it comes to uh, Hitler, he actually had a very strong connection and embraced the occult in quite a dramatic way. There's this clip by uh, a professor from the Stenton University. His name is Eric Kurlander, and he is the author of the book Hitler's Monsters, a Supernatural History of the Third Reich, which is an eye-opening look at occultic ideas. Here's a, a clip of him summarizing some of the things that Hitler and the Nazi party did to accept the occult. Um, to get back to a more academic frame of mind, number one, magic, occultism, and border science were generally taken quite seriously by the leaders of the Third Reich, but especially after 39 which is remarkable. Instead of letting occultist language in concentration camps after the 1937 ban on astrology or the 1941 Hess action, many Nazi leaders hired the Reich's most accurate astrologers, diviners, pendulum dowsers, anthroposophists, and world ice theorists to produce propaganda, provide military intelligence, locate enemy battleships, enhance agricultural production techniques, and instruct German soldiers how to fight without regard for their own safety. What happened in 1939 and 1937 was the Third Reich essentially made all of divination and the occult illegal to be practiced on in a private level. But then they went on to embrace them, to pull them into the government, to essentially forcing them to leave their private practices and work for them. So he goes on. Indeed, many Nazi leaders took the opportunity of the more restrictive legal environment after 37, and especially the Hess action, to enlist out-of-work occultists for their own purposes. So think about this. They make it impossible to practice occultism in the private sector, then say, hey, you've got nothing to do, come work for us. Right? Confiscated materials were not destroyed, but made it to Himmler and other leading SS men's personal libraries, or amazingly, were loaned out to Germany's most famous parapsychologist, Hans Bender, remember him, who was encouraged to open his own institute for the study of border science at the new Reich University of Strasbourg. What Hitler and the Nazi party did, they made the private practice of the occult illegal, and then and seized all of their material. They moved all of their material into private libraries of Himmler and Hitler who studied these occultic materials. And then they hired the very people that they threw into concentration camps for practicing the occult. They hired the very best of them to say, come and work for us. We want you to use your occult powers, your divination, your ability to open up portals in the spirit realm. We want you to help and bring us propaganda points. How do we win this propaganda war? Tell us what we need to know from the other dimension so we can implement it to win this war in the natural realm. This is one reason that 
that that Hitler was so and the Nazis were so bent on the, the extinction of the Jews is one reason was they beyond the the idea of ethnic cleansing was the, the need for blood sacrifice that blood sacrifice is the thing in the occult and we can see this through all of history there's been blood sacrifice and human sacrifice time and time and time again throughout history because it is something that is opens up the spirit realm to occultic activity to achieve power in this present age, in this present time, to assert dominion over their enemies. The, Hitler and, and the Nazis also believed that it was through the, the blood and the, the killing of millions of Jews, six billion Jews, that as they spread their ashes across the land, they would actually bring a, 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 a sort of spiritual healing to the land where they would experience prosperity in the physical realm through the shedding of the blood of Jews. And this is an idea that came directly from the occultic realm, directly from seances where they opened portals and they received these messages from the occult. Now, again, this probably for some sounds so far out there. And but I, I listened to uh, an interview about two or three years ago with the the infamous Joe Rogan with Alex Jones. And now, before you turn off the episode and be like, oh, Alex Jones, oh, I get where he's going now. He's one of those, he's one of those conspiracy theorists who believe everything that Alex Jones said. Okay. Pause, stop, no. Actually, I don't listen to Alex Jones. I don't follow Alex Jones. I've listened to one or two of his things, mostly when he's been on Joe Rogan in the past. And I don't align or prescribe to many of the things that he says. One, because I really don't know what he says. But the few times I have tuned in, the few times I have poked around to see, what what is this guy Alex saying? What's the, What's all the the chaos and the conspiracy and the the up in arms around this highly controversial figure i've noticed that each time that i've tuned in which is again probably in the course of the last 5 years i've listened to him four times so before you kick me out as some wild quack of a conspiracy theorist i want to put that out there but when i listen to him i've noticed something that's different about Alex Jones than any other news commentator that I've heard, which is he is always bringing in the war in the spirit realm. He's always bringing in the spiritual dimension that that we are fighting against in this war, in this propaganda war, in this culture war, in this media war. He is always bringing in the fact that much of the technology and the propaganda and the push is coming from a spiritual dimension and it's waging a spiritual warfare against humanity for anti-human anti-human ideology for a pro-transhuman a globalist system that controls population that seeks to kill babies, that seeks to euthanize the old, that seeks to euthanize those who have mental disorders and disease, that, that frames it as Hitler did, that it would be, it's more merciful 
to put these people, this entire ethnic group out of their misery because they're less than human. So this is actually a compassionate thing to do. These ideas are deeply seated in transhumanism, in this push to to transcend our human limits and to ourselves become God. So I, I listened to this clip a while ago and it stuck with me where Alex Jones explains the the Nazi connection to the occult on Joe Rogan's podcast. Here's a clip. Tell me how the connection between aliens and the Nazis took place. When did all this start? Let, because, me, let me begin. And so all the shaman, all the ancient religions, everybody says there are the good ones and there are the bad ones and, the, and people are interfacing. So you say, where does it begin? From the Tibetans to the Mesoamericans to the Egyptians to the Druids to every ancient society describes the same thing. There are bad things that look like elves that have horns when they show you who they really are. And there are good things, but they don't contact you unless you contact them. And then they, they're almost not even concerned with what you're doing. I never bought into this, looked into it. But then I began to think about what did I hear when I was a kid? What did I see? What was coming out in government documents? What was being admitted? When I read all these books about World War II and the Nazis and Hitler obsessed with the Dalai Lama and the Tibetans and what they were able to do without drugs to interface with this and all the rituals they would do and how they were believed that beyond the ether, like at Skull and Bones, it's a German death cult, they do rituals and take drugs to talk to the goddesses. Well, they're just appearing as you know, sexy, beautiful women. It's whatever you want as these spirit guides because lower entities will come in and violate your free will. God and his angels, which are below him, will not get involved in your everyday life. They will not manipulate your free will unless you ask them in. But then the devil masquerades as an angel of light. And God will send out a transmission for a larger plan, but evil is willing to come in. And what does it say? Demoralize. Get rid of children. Don't have kids. Humans are bad. You'll be, we'll be better once you're all gone. And it's because it's their operational mission for whatever reason that we'll understand later what's going on. So the Nazis, if you get in the deep literature, they believed they were basically seancing and, 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 and being possessed by entities that, I mean, it was before the Nazis. For whatever reason, it was the Germans that this happened to, and the Swiss. Like, they didn't discover LSD in the 30s. These, these people were running the psychology departments. They were interfacing with the occult. They were involved in all this crazy stuff. And it was all about their power and how great they were going to be. And they, the Germans were seduced. And so you go back thousands of years, Merlin, you know, the archetypal or, 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 or these magicians or these, these wizards are taking drugs in these temples and interfacing with these palantirs, these crystal balls, which aren't really crystal balls. It's their psychic focus of an interdimensional connection while they're on drugs looking into glass to then be able to see the future and understand what's happening to give them temporal power over this planet. But like the Bible tells you, any pharmacia or any of that always leads to destruction because only evil is going to come through that way. That's an important part at the end there. What he said that any pharmacia, pharmacia is the, the, is the, the use of, of hallucinogenic drugs. It is the, the occultic use of through drugs interfacing with the occultic realm. Uh, this is where we get our word pharmacy from, pharmakia. And what Alex Jones said is, is correct there, that when we and when people engage with the demonic realm, for lack of a, a better word, you might want to 
term it something else, the trans-dimensional realm, the, the spheric plane, when they go and engage with that through pharmacia, through witchcraft, through seances, through uh, blood sacrifice, through Ouija boards, using witchcraft, it is going to open up portals to demonic interaction and it will always end up bad. It will look good at first. It will sound good at first. It will feel good at first. But then at some point, that angel of light takes off its mask and it begins to enslave and in bond and, and put you in bondage. And it always continues to ask for one thing, which is the blood of human sacrifice time and time again. Now, Alex talks about in this little clip here, he mentioned a few different things. One, he mentioned the, the Hitler's connection with the Dalai Lama and, and Tibet. And you even see it in the swastika, which is a symbol that came from these ancient religions. And there was a connection there. And from that, it was a, a exchange that allowed Hitler and opened his eyes to, to open up and use the occultic realm to gain power as he waged war in World War II. Another thing that Alex says in this clip is that it is, it is these angels appearing as light that come to people, that entrap people, enslave people, that violate their free will. And whenever we go to access that outside of, outside of God, we are accessing that through our own strength and it will always end up in destructive destructive ideology, destructive behavior. And so this is what was one of the driving forces and the driving powers behind Hitler. They would have these mass seances where they would open up the demonic realm for whether it's technology or propaganda or strategy. And that was one of the driving forces that empowered the Nazi party. Here, here's another clip of Alex from the same interview where he talks a little bit more about, about why whenever people interact and engage with this realm, it always leads to these demonic forces, or as he's calling them, he's in this clip, he's calling them alien forces. He's calling them aliens or elves or trans-dimensional beings. And, and you can call it whatever you want. I was recently, recently in, in a conversation where someone posted these, these pictures of these ancient uh, ruins with carvings on them from multiple places across the globe, but all depicting the same image. And we're talking about, well, well obviously, these ancient peoples were engaged in some level in the spiritual realm. And now, whether they were seeing a demon or whether it's a trans-dimensional being, whether it's an elf, whatever you call these, these are... These are creatures who live in the spiritual realm that are interfacing and engaging for thousands of years with people across history in time. And we see the same image appear time and time again. And this is something that Alex mentioned. So here's this next clip. Is that once you open that gate, it's all bad. They well, why have, is it all bad? Why why can't you experience that interdimensional being and learn something from it? And be a better person because, when you come out of because it. Because for whatever reason, 
at first it's all beautiful and soon you're an Aztec base catnipping all the local tribes and, and killing whoever's the tallest or the smartest. Every time it gets control, it starts murdering everybody. And it always starts beautiful. It always starts great. So you're talking about ancient civilizations where they ritualize psychedelic drugs and they wind up killing everybody? Like In every case. In every case, the priest say, we have to throw babies into fires. We have to cut their hearts out. And they said, yeah, no, we're opening an interdimensional gate. The gods want blood. And then the priest wanted to communicate with the aliens. And the aliens wanted blood. Or transdimensional beings or demons, whatever you want to call them. And they also so took. So it was more like we're chopping hearts out. Yes, sir. Okay, we did a thousand. Okay, the gate's open. Gate's yeah. open. This is how this is how the occult works. They they need that blood sacrifice to open up portals so that they can engage with these transdimensional beings, so that they can get strategy to script media, to script propaganda, to have power to control the narratives, the movement, the culture, the zeitgeist that's happening in. The Earth, and this is documented that that the Nazis did this. It's documented that through throughout thousands of years of history, people have always used pharmacia. They've always used the demonic realm to empower them. We have stories of people sacrificing their their children in order to win battles in the spiritual realm to then be able to conquer in the physical realm. What is most disturbing, however, is that by and large, this generation, maybe, maybe it's not more than any generation, but I am particularly disturbed at how in this generation, we are embracing horror movies where an, an exorcism, where it's blatant, where we're blatantly seeing the, the, the demonic or the supernatural activity, and we're opening our gates, we're opening our lives to this influence where we're openly reading tarot cards. We're openly in seances. We're openly uh, in interfacing with the demonic realm to gain some sort of power, to gain some sort of inner peace, to gain some sort of prophetic clarity about what's happening in the future through the occult, through ancient occultic practices. And this is, for lack of a better term, it's really cosmic humanism. It's this belief that there is no God, while at the same time believing that there is a spiritual realm that is more real than the natural realm. And we're interfacing with it and we're in engaging with it. And it's, it's leading people down a dark and dangerous path, a path of bondage. Now, I myself, as I said earlier, I, I've woken up in the middle of the night as a young kid seeing voodoo processions going down the street where, an, where, you know, where animal sacrifices are happening. I, I, I grew up, and even as, as a young man, I've seen people speak with multiple voices coming out of their mouths. I've had my own experiences in, in encounters with uh, forces from the demonic realm, from, from demonic beings, where... I've had my own eyes roll into the back of my head and a voice scream out of my mouth as I fall down convulsing on the ground. I don't say that proudly, but I say that from a place of experience and humility and saying that there are spiritual forces that are entrapping a generation. And if we want to win, 
the spirit war, if we want to win the media war, if we want to win the culture war, then we have to understand that the culture war is like that lower that lower abstraction of what's happening in the spirit realm. That culture war is happening at a lower end, and it's being influenced by those who are winning in the spiritual realm. Here's this next clip. Now, this is a spiritual war, and, and the globalists want to make fun of Christians. They want to make fun of people that have a relationship with God, not because they're really atheists, but because they understand the power of Christ and, 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 and the power of God, and they're trying to block us from that so they can control us and dominate us. So as much as I don't like Alex Jones, I think he is onto something. I don't like the 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 mixture that he has when it comes to his own dabbling in the occult. I don't like the mixture that he has when it comes to his own uh, use of psychedelic drugs. I don't like the the crazy conspiracy theories that often seem to just go a little bit too far. But the one thing that I do like that the reason I'm bringing it up is because I want to move more into that in this show is talking and highlighting the spiritual dimensions that we face when it comes to, to transhuman movements, to anti-human movements that are, are fighting and set up against humanity. It's, it's the reason that we saw millions of Jews killed. It's the reason that we saw millions of of people killed in the USSR and in in China. It's the reason that we see abortion still being prevalent and widely accepted because it fuels. It is this blood sacrifice that fuels and population control that fuels demonic activity and the globalist uh, agenda in the earth. Don't go away. We have one more closing segment, uh, a quote by Frederick Nietzsche. But before we get to that, if you have been wrestling with some of these ideas, if you in the back of your mind have been thinking, yes, I've been saying this, I, I've, I've been trying to tell my friends this, but they ain't listening. Share this episode with them. Sh- share this episode with people that totally disagree with you and then have a conversation about it. Share it with your community and use it as a tool to interface and bring up some of these topics, especially when it comes to our openness and activity and embracing of occultic activity, which should be very worrisome for us as a, as a society as a whole. So share it with people because as you share it with them, your knowledge will also increase when you begin to talk and interface with them. Also, if you got value from this show, I just ask that you'd give the value back that you got out of it. One way that I find I learn more is by putting my money where my ears are. So if my ears are listening to something, I like to put my money behind it because my money is attention and my attention will drive and focus on that, whatever it is that I'm learning, and I will actually get more out of it. So you can give value for value by going over to my website, Lucas Scrobot, that's L-U-C-A-S-S-K-R-O-B-O-T.com. And you can give value for value there. Don't go away. We'll be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. (music) 
Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future and weave our destiny. Now, the Weaver and Loom, of course, it represents fate, destiny, the spirit realm weaving our destiny. It represents that long lineage of our heritage, of our forefathers and great, 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 great grandfathers and mothers who each one is a little string and a little knot being woven together to create a greater tapestry of history. And you and I are in that tapestry of history. And you and I have the ability to make sure that we are creating a sturdy frame, a sturdy loom for our lives so that we come out fulfilling everything that we were placed on this earth to fulfill. Today's quote, it's not really a quote, but it's an idea. It's an idea that came from Frederick Nietzsche as many poor ideas Nietzsche had. He had some good ideas and he wrote about in in many of his writings, he wrote about that in, in order to understand ideas, we need to know their genealogy. In order to understand how an idea like a a contagion, like a virus, in in order to understand how this idea is going to latch onto our minds, what is the symptoms and the effects these ideas will have after they create strongholds in our head, we need to know their genealogy. We need to know the history of these ideas. We need to know, well, in what ecosystem, in what line do these ideas come from and how do then they grow and multiply? What do they lead to? Because ideas are like seeds. Ideas are like seeds that get planted in our mind. And we can have ideas that are just purely natural and man-made. We can have ideas that come from the divine and from God. And we can have ideas that come from the demonic, which is what we've been talking about. How the the trans-dimensional beings, the supernatural realm is informing people whether they know it or not, it's in the zeitgeist. It's in that that spirit of the age. It's informing people how to think, the opinions that they should have. We can see this very clearly in in America when it came to gay marriage and the acceptance, a wide scale acceptance of gay marriage in America. And for many years, you can see when when they started measuring it in 1988 up to the point of 2008, it was fairly static. It was very growing very, very slowly, but you could see that about 60% of people actually agreed that gay marriage should, or that marriage should only be between a man and a woman, and about 40% agreed or thought that gays should be able to get married, not just not just have a civil union, but actually be married in the religious sense of the term. And then we see President Barack Obama take power in 2008, and all of a sudden, within a matter of a few months, the entire graph flips. And within a matter of a few months, the entire graph flips from 60-40, being against gay marriage, to now all of a sudden 60% are pro-gay marriage. And the thing that changed was that there was a shift of power in the presidency, and that authority opened up a gate for a new zeitgeist to come into the culture, to a new spiritual reality, a new thought to become 
pervasive in the ether of society and of culture. And that then changed the minds of Americans to, to now, I believe it's close to 70 or 80 percent, uh, 70 percent of Americans are actually pro-gay marriage. But that happened because of, of a shift of powers and principalities, a shift of ideas in the spirit realm. So we need to know the genealogy of ideas. When we talk about when we talk about socialism and communism and Marxism, no longer are these ideas blatantly branded as Marxism. They're now branded as intersectional race theory. They're now branded as critical race theory. They're branded as uh, equality or love or compassion. But beneath these titles are actually idea pathogens that are actually that actually come from a family of ideas that really spring from Marx and Engels and from Heidegger and Foucault. It, it, these ideas that there is no truth. There is there's no reality that you can know. There is no good and evil, guilt and innocence, right or wrong. There's only power. There's only one hierarchy and it's power. And once we begin to understand when we begin to see these arguments of ideas that primarily come back to, well, this party is in power, this party is quote unquote oppressed, and therefore we need to flip this over on its head. It doesn't matter if the party that is quote unquote oppressed is literally calling for the genocide of an entire people group. It doesn't matter because they are in the position of oppression. They are. They are in the position of being right. Once we realize and we can recognize, oh, wait a minute. This idea comes, comes from a genealogy of pathogens that has, has killed hundreds of millions of people in the USSR and, and the uh, communist China back during the, the Chinese revolution. Once we understand these things and we understand the root of these ideas, even where it comes from the spiritual realm, as being something that is anti-human, being something that is aimed to undermine and destroy humanity, to control population. When we when we hear things like we heard probably for years before, but it was prevalent in 2020, humans are the virus. When we see that in, in the climate change, climate activists, global warming sect, where they say humans are the virus. We need to do away with humans. We can pause ourselves and say, wait, what's the genealogy of that idea? And we can follow it all the way back to philosophy. And from philosophy, we can follow it back to the zeitgeist, the ideas that are floating around in the spirit realm that are informing each other. I saw a pretty interesting video the other week where if you go onto Wikipedia and you start at any page, and you click the first link that is shown in the whatever page it is, and you keep on clicking the first link, all the links, all the pages come back down to one root, and that root is philosophy. And philosophy is the ideas of morality, the ideas of ethics, the ideas of humanity, the ideas of where we come from, with the, the roots of who we are. When I was a, a young kid, in, in high school and middle school, I spent an extraordinary amount of time by myself. 
in some ways I was a loner. Some ways I, it was probably my own fault. I made decisions that was probably my own fault. But I spent a lot of time by myself. And when I was by myself, I remember sitting on hillsides and thinking and having these ideas come into my mind. And there were ideas that, wait, maybe, maybe this all is an illusion. Maybe I'm not even real. Maybe it's my mind is a projection of a projection that's interpreting things and I'm just in a dreamlike state. And it wasn't until taking a philosophy course in university and reading all of these philosophers from, from Kant to Nietzsche and realizing, wait, I had these ideas line by line from the time that I was a young kid. When I was a teenager, I was having these same thoughts and I recognized the reason that I had these same thoughts. Of course, it could be because humans are curious and they begin to think about what's in the world. But even the way that some of these ideas came to my mind, it was phrased and reading them again in these books, I realized there, there truly is a spirit realm where these ideas are out there that are looking to infiltrate and take root in our mind, which is why we need to be sober-minded. It's why we need to watch our thoughts and be careful about the source and the roots of the thoughts. Be careful about what's, what's the source, not the person that an idea is coming from, but what is the source, the genealogy of ideas that we are adopting in our life? Because oftentimes on the onset, ideas sound good. They feel good. But if we don't examine the code of that media, the code of that thought, as Balaji said, that that code, codes machines, as media codes people, if we don't stop with and look at what is the code underneath those ideas, and we just abstractly and without discrimination, let any thought into our mind and adopt it into our, our, our soup of philosophy, we will end up going down a path of transhumanism, of anti-humanism, and adopting ideas that ultimately seek to kill, steal, and destroy from your life and your children's life and your great-grandchildren's life. That's all for this episode. If you would like, you can go and get my book, Anchored, The Discipline to Stop Drifting. In this book, I wrote about how I was drifting in my life. I, I was amiss. I was wandering. I didn't feel like I was achieving the things that I wanted to achieve in my life. And it helped me greatly. So this book was really a, a short manifesto to myself of how I saw the, the faulty errors I was making in my algorithms of life. And after a year of research and reading and searching, another year or two of writing, I came out with this book, which really I look to these ideas every day of how to order my life so that I can actually fulfill my destiny, to fill the things that I was placed on this earth to do. So I highly recommend it. Anchored, The Discipline to Stop Drifting. You can get it in, uh, the link is in the show notes or on Amazon. Finally, remember, you are a truth seeker, someone who goes out and seeks to discern ideas. Well, on the show, 
we don't make the claim of having truth. We're not making the claim that everything that we say is true, which is one of the arguments that I get against me all the time. But what we do do, what we do do, (laughs) the thing we pursue is to discern the truth, is to break past the titles and the labels of ideas. And we look at the origin, the genealogy, the spiritual origin and genealogy of ideas and say, is this something that is true? Is this something that's eternal? Is this something that is good and wholesome that will produce the fruit that I want to see in my life? Or is this a Trojan horse? Or is this something that is going to come in, take root and destroy my life? So this week and for the rest of your life, go out, discern the truth, because if you do, you can uncover your purpose and you can own your future. 